You're listening to the Utah Checkdown Podcast. And now your hosts, Josh Furlong and Robert Jackson. Welcome back to another edition of the Utah Checkdown Podcast. I'm Josh Furlong, and I'm joined with Robert Jackson. Rob, you ready for another week of football? I am. Uh, let's let's kick off the week two. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's let's watch some fun football. Hopefully, it lives up to the first week. That first week was pretty uh, the, incredible. The, the bar is set pretty high, uh, and then uh, you know us as fans, we get to enjoy every second of it. And so, uh, yeah, I'm excited. We have football. Uh, no football tonight, but football. I guess if you're an NFL guy, yeah, football tonight. Can't complain uh, with NFL. Uh, well, you know, it's just not my thing. You know, had, if we had a team in Utah, maybe, maybe more so that. Uh, anyway, we got the the Broncos close by. We got the Raiders close by, but uh, you're more of a player guy like anyway, a, though, aren't you? Yeah, so I I was rooting for the Redskins while they had Alex Smith there. You know, most recently, but. Uh, I, 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 I kind of have a hard time getting into the NFL, mostly because Sunday is more of a family day for, for my family. We're usually not home. We're out doing stuff. Um, so um, if I sit in front of the TV, like on Saturdays, you know, maybe, you know, maybe the NFL needs to move to Saturdays. I don't know. Maybe no, you're on to something. No, stop. <laughs> no. no. College is Saturdays. College Saturday, uh, except, Sunday, so, that's uh, all we do. We watch NFL. Whole family. It, you know, it's the, it, it's crazy because, you know, I, the, the Fox big noon kickoff this week is the, you know, the big Alabama, Texas game. And the, you know, what, what, what do we make of this, you know, sec versus the, you know, the big 12, or I guess, you know, in two years, it will be sec versus sec, but uh, it, it's crazy that these big new games, it's like, here's like one of the most marquee matchups and it's kind of kick off at 10 AM mountain. It's kind of, you know, it's uh, and Utah's right behind it at 1130, you know, You're just waking up. You, you, Utah is not playing a, a juggernaut. They're playing a, an FCS foe, but uh, you know it, uh, it. It it's a it's a chance for these players to get that bad taste out of their mouth because I'm sure everybody feels it. Everybody kind of I and mean, we talked about this last podcast. Every every player on that roster knows that that's a game that they easily could have won. Um, they just didn't make that one play that they needed to. Whether it was the third or fourth down from the goal line, whether it was the the last play that turned into an interception. You know, you could point to five or six plays in that game where you you know you make that stop, and suddenly it's a different ball game. If, if you're able to tackle Anthony Richardson on the uh, two point conversion, you know, late in the uh, was it late in the third or early in the fourth? I can't remember exactly yeah. when it happened, but uh, you make that play, and then suddenly all you have to do is kick a field goal to win the game. And man, um, yeah. So I mean, Utah will get a chance this week to uh, to kind of put that behind them. I think it'll be good for the players. We'll talk about more about what Utah, Utah's preparations and kind of what their uh, kind of scheme will be this week later on. But uh, the kind of the big announcement that we didn't get a t- to talk about was um, the commissioners of all of the conferences voted unanimously this time to expand the college football playoff from four teams to 12. What are the implications, Josh? How does Utah fit into this? And where does this all shake out? And when, when do you think it'll start? Yeah, that's 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 a, a mouthful of, of answers there. Um, but I think that the best thing about this is is it, it it's going to change the game of college football. You know, this game against Utah versus Florida, I think that changes that drastically in the sense that uh, it, it allows for teams to schedule these more difficult games early on in the season or any time in the season, really, for that matter, 
um, and allows teams some flexibility in losses, right? You look right. at Utah's opportunities ahead of themselves, and nothing has changed outside of a college football playoff. They, you know, it was a long shot to begin with, but then you know, trying to do that with a one loss right now is is difficult. But but the reality is is you know you go get that conference championship and you're in the, you're in the playoffs moving forward. The you know the way it works now is they have it where it's you've got your twelve teams, but you've got six of the top conference champions. So you know six of the best conferences out there are going to get a a bid automatically to the college football playoffs, and those first four get a buy. They have to be a conference champion, and they have to be you know near the top of that rankings. But then you've got anywhere from six at bids at large bids that can get in there. That that's an incredible opportunity here. Where okay, Utah loses this game to Florida. If you run the table still, you don't have to run the full gauntlet of of the Pac-12. You could probably still lose one or two games. But now you've got the opportunity to win the Pac-12. And, you know, before it was you go to the Rose Bowl and, 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 and that's great. But now you've got the opportunity to say, okay, now we've guaranteed our spot in the college football playoff. Whether you get a home bid. So those five through eight seeds, they get to play at the home location. So five through eight gets that and then you know every eight or nine through 12 is the visiting team there it, it, that becomes a great opportunity can you imagine being able to have a playoff game the first round of the playoffs at rice echo stadium and and if not then that second round the semifinal round is at one of those traditional bowl games where it's the rose the peach the fiesta orange bowl that's where you get to have that how much more excitement is that you okay I, I don't know about you, but like if you're leaving this game on Saturday and Utah loses, which they did, are you more optimistic about your chances if there's a 12-team playoff or how it's currently currently structured? Well, I mean, it, the the college football the, the 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 people that want college football to stay the same or think that four teams is fine say that the regular season is the most important regular season out of all the sports. And sure. I agree with that sure. to a certain extent. At the same time, the margin for error is razor thin, especially if you're, if you're a team like Utah, if you're Alabama, you could lose a game. Heck you could even lose two games and still find your way into the, the, the four team playoff because of the, the bias and, and rightfully so they've earned it. I mean, when you go 13 and one in week one of, you know, the college football season, you're only lost being a, a blocked extra point to a, a pretty good uh, Florida state team. Like they earned that respect. And so when at the end of the season, you're going to, we're all going to be looking at, you know, Hey, like, you know, the, what SEC teams are we going to put in? And it's going to be plural, right? So it's going to be Alabama and Georgia potentially, you know, depending on how the SEC championship game shakes out and all that. But then you're like, okay, well, who are the other two teams that you want to pencil in? Last year you had Michigan and Cincinnati. Um, could could Utah sneak in? For, for Cincinnati, they uh, were undefeated. That's the only reason that they got to make it. Uh, Michigan, I think, had one loss, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Uh, it was an early uh, early season loss that they, they were able to overcome. So I feel like – for Utah, the, the 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 opportunity to make it into the playoff right as it currently stands is is razor thin. Like like you were saying, Utah has to do the impossible this season just to even be considered. They need to go through the Pac-12 schedule unscathed. Something that hasn't been done since 
the conference expanded from 10 to 12 teams. No team has gone without uh, at least one loss. Can Utah do it? Uh, it'll be a tough task. But even if, even if they do do it, they're kind of saying, okay, well, now, now we have to have some luck on our side. You have to have some teams in front of you fall. Florida and you have has to have to do Florida well. do really well, yeah. right? Florida has to do ha- – Florida has to go like nine and three for Utah to even be in the discussion at the end of the season. So it, it will be – um expanding to 12 will make it yeah that game doesn't count as much but i think that i think more teams will be willing to schedule these key non-conference games we're not going to see the tennessee chattanooga versus ohio state you know no one wants to watch that like let's be honest no one watched uh rice take on uh usc no one watched ucla take on bowling green like these are games that that aren't i mean and no one's going to be watching utah versus southern utah this weekend either right like if if you're a utah season ticket holder uh yeah you're probably going to go but i mean if, if you're looking for tickets on the secondary market there's probably a ton because they're the draw because of the opponent that they're playing now if utah was playing michigan if utah was playing you know even like a, a fresno state or a boise state or a san diego state like they are the next week then suddenly the fan interest is there so no one wants to watch these games and, and i get it from an fcs perspective they need these games to to finance their budgets their athletic budgets like they need the money and so it, it's it's a hard thing to say oh just get rid of all these fcs fbs games because the fan interest isn't there, but you know, from an FCS perspective, they kind of need it. Like Southern Utah needs the money. That's why they're playing this game. They don't, I mean, they, they, you know, I, I can't, you can't put words in their coach's mouth, but they, they know deep down, they're not going to win this game. It's kind of like you, Utah state going up against Alabama. They need the, the money. Right. So I mean, for $2 million, you can punch us in the mouth a hundred times in a row. And, you know, uh, I don't know. I so I, at the at the end of the day, I feel like Utah's opportunity to make it into the playoff is more. And uh, yeah, it does take a little bit of uh, marquee away from these big early season non conference games. But at the same time, it gives these teams hope going down the stretch because suddenly this Utah versus Stanford matchup in Week Ten suddenly has a lot more interest because it has college football playoff implications and maybe more people around the country will watch something like that. Whereas, Oh, we know that these are the four teams. You don't have a shot. They're just playing for bowl positioning. And, you know, I, I feel like it may take a little bit of the glean off of these early season games, but I feel like it will pay off huge dividends, especially when it comes down to, Hey, you know, the, we're coming down the stretch. There's three more weeks of the season. These three sh- teams have a shot for the Pac-12 championship. These three teams have a shot for, you know, even the, you know, the G5. Like, imagine if you're a Boise State, man, you could you could be in one of those top six positions pretty pretty easily, right? Um, just take care of business yourself. So, I feel like from a fan's perspective, it really opens the door for Utah. And you did some math and and to, to see how often Utah would have been in since 2004 if we had this 12-team playoff. What, what do you want to share with us? Yeah, so I went back to 1999, which is about the time of the BCS and, and all the different things that way. Uh, Utah, you know, with, with how this went out, um, they would have made the playoffs four seasons, obviously 2004, 2008, you know, your undefeated seasons, and then recently 2019 and 2021. So, I mean, Utah's got four. That that would rank them as the fourth highest in the Pac-12, which which is great, right? Like, and, and obviously two of those came in the Mountain West era, so you can't really rank that in the Pac-12. But the point being, 
that Utah has had opportunities. They've, they've gotten there. Now, maybe those opportunities change based on how you schedule that, right? Like, I, I, you know, you, you, you mentioned about how it, it changes the, the significance of the season and different things that way. I would argue that this actually enhances it, right? Now, I, trust me, I, this is the schedule that's never going to happen. But you could, in theory, you could go schedule Florida that first week. You could go schedule Ohio State the second week. And then go schedule a Big 12 team like a Baylor in that third week of your non-conference schedule, knowing that you have a relatively decent schedule in your conference play. That allows you to be able to have more sales. You, you get ticket sales. You get more fan interest. Am I going to go to a Southern Utah game versus going to Baylor? Probably not, right? Like, people are going to be interested to come to those games. You get Ohio State. You get Michigan. Sure, you're going to get Indiana, and you're going to get Illinois those times. But that's still a better draw. That's still a better opportunity for you to fill those seats. You know, these universities, they can tout, you know, the, the sellout crowds and different things like that. That's just ticket sales. There is no actual reality that those are sold out in that respect, Right. But I think now you're getting an opportunity where most of these universities make it through concession stands. They make it through, you know, merchandise. They get all these things and you're getting people into watch your program. The more you can be on the national stage and get people to talk about you, the more relevant you become. Now, let's say in those three non-conference games, you only win one of them. That still doesn't change your outlook because you can go then run through the Pac-12 and get there. Now, you could argue the merits of, okay, should a three-loss team or a you know four-loss team make it to the college football playoffs? We have the same thing in basketball, right? You have a lot of teams that they go win their conference and then they make this Cinderella run. Now, I don't think it's going to be the same, right? Like, I don't think a four-loss team is necessarily going to be competitive with Alabama or Georgia or Ohio State on a regular basis, but you're going to get it. You're going to get a team that just strikes when the iron's hot and they, they do well. Maybe they still win over Alabama and then they make it to the semifinals or, or they make it to the national championship game. Like I, I understand people get frustrated with that because it's like, well, they lost four games. I don't care. I just want to watch a good product, right? I want to be able to watch teams play good teams, right? Like a, a, as a fan of just sports in general, I don't really have a rooting interest in that. I just want to watch good games. I've always said that as a reporter, I want to go where I can and have a storyline where I can talk about it, where it can be fun. I don't really care who's out there so long as it's a fun game, right? That Florida Utah right. game was a fun game. To me, it didn't matter if Utah won or lost. I got to write a fun story about how a game came together and it all worked out. Those games now matter more in that scenario. Now you can play these tougher teams. You're not going to play three power five teams in your non-conference. I, I don't think that's going to suddenly change. But at the same time, it gives you flexibility to play more competitive games and allow athletic directors to at least explore that possibility, test your team, say, hey, look, we're going to do it this way. Maybe you shift up your college or your conference schedule so you're not playing it all you know, back to back to back to back, you throw in a Notre Dame in the middle of there just to see how well you're doing against a power team. Those things, I think, matter, and it brings more eyeballs. It brings more attention. You get the TV revenue. You know, the college football playoffs, and th they've, they've talked about potentially doing a revenue share. All those things matter, right, to the players who could potentially get the money, to the universities that get more money. All these things matter. So, Look, I love a 14 playoff, but the reality is, is it's stagnant. Nobody cares anymore. People are tired of ESPN talking about the college football playoffs because you want more teams included. Is it, is it bad for college football that there's such a, a talent discrepancy between, and we've seen it in almost every single college football playoff 
that they've had where you have two really good teams. And so the championship game normally has historically been pretty good, but the playoff, the semifinals have all been blowouts. It's garbage I mean, most of the time. You can, you can, yeah. I mean, you can look at uh, Cincinnati losing to Alabama, what, 31 to six or uh, last season. Uh, you had Michigan getting blown out by Georgia. Uh, you you haven't really seen these playoff games be super competitive. So the argument to, okay, well, now we need to go to 12 to expand the field. Is that just saying, hey, like, <laughs> I, I, I mean, what do you do here? Because these games haven't been competitive. I, you, you want these 12 playoff games to be uh, – you want you want people to watch, right? And the the number one reason people are going to watch it because they're close games, either their teams in it or you you can anticipate it being a good matchup in these these good game made for TV games. How how can they kind of see that? I mean, is it just going to be okay? You know, Alabama, you know, they get the bye, but then they're going to play whoever and then blow the doors off of them. Is is it just going to be more of the same with just more more filler for for these TV networks or how do you see this playing out? Yeah, I mean I think you know there's there's an opportunity where at the very end, it's still going to be Alabama and Georgia in that championship game, right? Like, I, I don't think looking back at last year, you're going to see much deviation. Now, I will say that puts Ohio State in there, right? That allows them to be able to come in there and maybe right. they they overcome that Michigan loss and 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 they're they're going to be able to be one of those teams that can be competing with Alabama or, or Georgia. But but I think what it does more than anything is it just gives people that that thought of like, hey, we can get there, right? It's the same in college basketball. You know, Duke, North Carolina, Kentucky, Kansas, those teams are generally winning it most of those years, right? Like we don't get a lot of deviation from the teams that win it, but everybody roots for the underdog. Everybody wants to see the Cinderella story. I don't think that's going to necessarily be the same in college football, but the reality is, is you've got a lot of people that now feel like they have access. And not only do they have access, they get a ton more money because now you're getting, instead of, one million people watching your, you know, conference championship. Who knows what the, that number is, depending on what it is. Now you're getting an opportunity to get more access to that pie. You get more money revenue. You get people who who's not going to watch, a, you know, the the first round of the playoffs. Those games are going to do at least ten million people. People are going to watch that. That's going to be more attention to your university. And for those four teams that get to play a home game. Like if Rice Eccles is hosting that, look at what that does to the the economy around it, right? You get a lot right. of people in, you get a lot of people talking about it. All of a sudden, Rice Eccles Stadium is once again plastered on all these national um, promos from ESPN or Fox or whomever is going to be doing this. That brings attention. So sure, you know, if Utah gets there, look at last year. Is, is Utah going to win the national championship? Probably not, right? They, they lost to Ohio State. We saw that there was, you know, an issue there. They went toe-to-toe, sure, but they still lost. But at the end of the day, look at what that's done for Utah just to be able to be competitive in the Rose Bowl. Now magnify that by putting them in the playoff where, okay, you have access now. You've got opportunities to be able to, to, to play against these tough teams. And sure, those results may still be the same. Alabama still may get out on top. Oregon... You know, they could make a run in in the Pac-12 and they could get on top. You know, all these things are great for college football, in my opinion. And I think it does more good than than the stagnant play that we get where we just know that those first rounds of the playoffs are going to be garbage. What are your thoughts on, you know, so the the teams seeded five through eight get a host, a first round game. If you're in the first four, 
you get that uh, by the first day. Is it unfair that the first four don't get a host, a first round game at home, or is it the advantage enough not to have to, to play and you get the buy and kind of rest your guys and prepare for the next week and the second round at the, at one of the, uh, the, either like the Rose bowl, the peach bowl, Fiesta bowl, orange bowl. Is that, is that consolation enough? Because those, I mean, like you were saying to have that game on your campus, you know, it's, it's kind of like having that college game day type atmosphere at each of these home field sites for these five through eight teams. Is that like a, a little bit of an advantage to like, hey, we want to be good. We want to get into the playoff. We don't want one of those first four because we do want to be able to host one of these games. No, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think I could absolutely see somebody like Nick Saban complaining about that, right? Saying that I already have an unfair advantage because you know, you're complaining about getting a buy where you don't have to play a week and you're automatically move forward, but the access and, and the attention that that university gets is, is huge. Right. And I, so I can see where, uh, you know, a scenario where those top four teams are a little frustrated that they don't get to host a game. Now, you know, if you're Michigan, do you, re- uh, yeah, you do want somebody to come there. You want a USC to come to Michigan in the middle of December and play in the tundra, right? Like I get that, but at the same time, I don't know. Like I, I'm curious to see, you know, how that shakes out. Clearly, they've all come together. This is something they all hatched, and and then they put out, and and they all buy in, and and you know, the SEC didn't have to do this, right? Like the SEC, more than any conference out there, is going to maybe be limited by this more than any others because they could have absolutely tilted the system and said, look, we're going to guarantee that the SEC gets at least two at large, or you know, whatever it may be but they decided to come together and work in this. So you have to imagine that the, the offset of being able to have a buy where your, your guys get to be healthy, where you get an extra tape on, on your opponent that that serves an advantage, but I can see where you're now, you're not getting those ticket revenues and everything. It's your home stadium that that does become kind of a limiting factor. But at the end of the day, you're still going to win national championships. Those fan bases are still going to follow. I, I, I imagine most of those four teams, there are still going to probably be those same teams that are constantly there. The big news over the summer was uh, USC, UCLA jumping to the big 10 in 2024, uh, you know, almost a year to the day of SC, the uh, SEC announcing Texas and Oklahoma also joining in 2024. Does this college football expansion, does it kind of slow down this uh, conference realignment? Are, are teams less likely to go? Because, uh, you know, you, you talk about, okay, the top six conference champions suddenly get in. Well, suddenly, you, you so you have the SEC, the Big Ten, the Big 12, the Pac-12, 12 or Pac-10, whatever you want to call it, and you have the ACC. So that's only five conferences. Who, like, if you're if you're a, a G5 uh, Mountain West, Sun Belt Conference USA, um, the AAC, like, you have to be pretty ecstatic that, you, hey, like, all we have to do is be better, be one of these top six bids, and we get an automatic bid into this, uh, um, into this college football playoff. It, it seems to me like if, if anything, if I'm one of these big teams, like I'm less likely to want to jump ship into one of these other conferences because I'm making it more difficult for myself outside of maybe, you know, um, doubling your um, athletic staff payroll because of all the new TV money you're going to get. Is there, is, is this kind of the pumping the brakes on conference realignment? Like, what do you see here? Yeah, I, I 100% see this at least slowing it down. I don't know if it'll say it'll stop it, uh, I, I will say that I, I imagine this was kind of the final um, nail in the coffin, so to speak, that says Notre Dame is staying independent. Like, why would they need to leave? They're already getting access. Sure, they're not going to be one of those top four 
um, teams because they're going to not be in a conference. But if you're Jack Swarbrick, who's their, you know, their athletic director, who cares? Now you get to host a game uh, at Notre Dame. So to, to me, I think in that vein, they stay. I don't think there's any real value to be able to do that. Now, now with that being said, let, let, let's look at the Pac-12. The Pac-12 is going to be 10 teams here soon, right? We're going we're gonna to get it so that there's only 10 teams. Right now, that stands as like, look, now Utah, Oregon, Washington, you know, what UCLA, what, or not UCLA, sorry, they're leaving. These teams now have such a higher probability of being able to get to the playoff because now you have a, a less teams to go with. And I, and I think that's true, right? Like, I think that's true. But at the same time, those conferences, you still have to be, the conference champion still has to be one of the six top, right? And so it's a fine balance to be able to craft a conference that's going to be competitive enough that's going to allow AP voters or college football uh, committee to be able to say, look, they had a tough enough schedule to be able to be there, right? It doesn't matter if you're ranked 24th and you're the seventh you know, person, our seventh team from a conference. Now you're on the outside. There, there is a realistic opportunity where a conference champion will be left out. Is it rare? Sure, but I think you have to build still a conference that's going to be competitive, and that you're you're, you're going to 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 be more competitive. Like in in realistic possibilities, the Pac-10 moving forward could very well be jumped by the AAC or the Mountain West, who has just better teams at that time. Boise State comes up and all of a sudden they do it. You get, I'm trying to think of a leftover ACC team. Um, It it doesn't matter. Like if one of those teams or two of those teams jump up and they're better than a Pac-12 team's conference champion, think about 2020 when Oregon managed to beat USC and became it. They weren't even ranked. So, I mean, you've got those scenarios where it can happen. um, But at the the end of the day, I still think it slows it down. I think it, 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 helps in in terms of stabilization but on that same vein you've got a big 12 that is actively looking to expand i don't know do you do you think that that's just bluster and do you think that's just you know them trying to say like we're we're still trying to trying to poach the pac-12 trying to make that that i don't know rivalry now that it's become or or do you think that that is a reality uh, I mean, it's the uh, the chess match that's going to keep on going, and ultimately, it's these TV networks that are going to be the, the deciding factor. And if I don't think any team is going to move laterally, um, whether it's a Big Twelve going to the Pac twelve or a Pac twelve going to the Big Twelve, no no team's going to move to make a, a lateral move, right? Because um, it, there has to be some sort of incentive, that, like okay, we can. Uh, we can get ten more million dollars a season by jumping, you know, to either conference A or conference B. Then suddenly there's a discussion to be had. But uh, un- until then, and all of this is, you know, you know, still in the works. The Pac-12 is still negotiating their TV contract. Um, so we'll we'll see. And 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 until these teams have these numbers uh, kind of in front of them, it's hard to make these decisions. No team's just going to jump just to jump, you know, like, I, I don't know. Like everybody's like, well, you know, when's this going to happen uh, until they have the TV numbers kind of solidified and say, this is what you guys are going to get with, uh, you know, your tier one rights or tier two rights and your tier three streaming rights, whatever they might be. No one's going to do that. So Brett, your mark, he's, he's going to say, yeah, we want to expand, but I mean, George Klavikov is probably saying, yeah, we need to expand East. You know, I, they're, they're going to do whatever's best for their conference as far as uh, these TV contracts are concerned. And if they can generate 
more money by adding schools. You better darn believe that they're going to try everything that they can to, to make that happen. Um, Utah's in a good position. You know, they're, they're, they're not a, I wouldn't say that they're a national brand by any means. I, but I would say that they are a very solid brand that I think a lot of conferences would want to bolster the position that the, they have. And so if you're the big 10 and you're trying to give uh, USC and UCLA some, some um, kind of like a regional pod, you know, maybe Utah's an option. Uh, I don't know. Uh, it'll be but interesting even, to see how even it all worth it to out. Utah, right? Like you're leaving a conference oh, yeah. where, you know, the, the, the opportunity to get to that conference championship is so much greater. Now, sure, you could potentially go double your money, if not maybe a little bit more in the Big Ten, but you're going to be in that range of, you know, six and seven, seven and six range with a bowl win, right? Like, and that's what I'm talking about. Right. Like, is that really where you want to be? Or are your, you know, your opportunities better to try to win the Pac-12, even if it is looked down upon as less than the other conferences, less resources, whatever, but now you make it to the playoffs and they get money that way. It's a tough position, but I think the school would do what whatever is going to be most financially beneficial, right? At the end of the day, it's a business, and they're trying to make money from a lot athletic department. They, I think, they would try to take the money. Otherwise, the Utah would have stayed in the Mountain West and not gone to the Pac-12. You know, they 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 were a dominant team in that Mountain West conference, and they could have stayed there, right? And still, sure. you know, gone to BCS bowls and been the you know kind of the. Uh, the, the current Boise state, right. The kind of like America's team or the Cinderella team that everybody kind of looks up and says, Hey, you know, these guys can play with anybody. Um, but Utah chose to go to the PAC 12 and rightfully so they, they chose to, to uh, increase the, their, their pay athletic department payroll by, I, I don't even know, like nine times. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> I mean, I'd have to look at the money. Exactly. But yeah, it was a lot of money. And you know, if, if Utah had an opportunity and, and, and this will be interesting to see because I yes, I think the college football playoff is a step in the right direction, but I think they the kind of college football in general kind of needs a governing board to to kind of say okay, like you guys can play FCF games if you want, but they're going to be exhibition games and they don't count in the standings. You know, if you want to have a uh, a preseason warm up kind of like the you know like a spring game, but play it against an FCS team, and then you can sell, you can give them money, you can sell it to TV, you can do whatever you want. Uh, here's some rules regarding um, NILs, just so it's not like this wild, wild west. You know, you have um, the basically boosters paying players for not actually doing any sort of work or um, just basically paying them to be a part of the team, which that wasn't the intent of the NIL. It was for these players to actually make money uh, based on their name, image and likeness, not just to get paid to be a player on the team. So I, I think that there needs to be some sort of governing board for uh, college football. And it'll be, um, I don't know, I, I think that this the playoff is a step in the right direction, however. And I think that Utah is going to be a part of the college football playoff going forward. And it'll be, it'll be good for the Pac-12 to, um, to, to have some teams in there. I mean, the, the Pac-12 has been shut out since 2016 was the last time they had a team in the in the college football playoff that there just needs to be more, um, more conferences involved, more teams involved. It seems like it's the same three or four teams every single season. So just the, uh, the exposure that some of these other schools will get, I think will kind of level the playing field and, and to a certain extent kind of level the conference realignment because uh, the SEC keeps growing bigger and stronger, but they're the ones in the college football playoff every year. 
with the exposure, with all that TV money, extra TV money that they get from those playoff uh, playoff games. So uh, to spread the pie around a little bit. And I think that the parity in college football, I think, should increase. That you, after all that you just said, I have to admit, I just want now spring football against FCS teams. I think it would Why be not? phenomenal. I think it would be great. Like you, know? you can still, it can still be a pay game. I, I, mm-hmm. You know, your attendance isn't going to be as high, but I think it's going to be higher than what it normally is. You've got right. an opportunity you, you now could, to do you that. You could have, have it as a week zero game in in the fall. Sure, right? sure. You could you could have it be the the kickoff classic where you have, you know. Utah versus Weber State or whatever it might be, but you lose to kind that, of give like you, you can play your scrubs, you can do whatever. Like it, it doesn't right. matter. Like build if your you, depth chart. It's right. great. Like I don't know. Like I, I know. Like back in 2020 when the FCS moved to spring because of how it all shook out. I know there was a lot of talk about that, but I, I, I think it would be really interesting to kind of explore those types of things, right? And 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 say, okay, look, we've. the general body of like the upper divisions of college football, they have to do what's best for, for them. Right. Like, and, and and I think they will, I don't think that's, that's any surprise, but at the end of the day, like I think there are opportunities where you can still create quote unquote pay games in a different model, right? Make it so that they aren't part of the actual structure of wins and losses. The teams that continue to lose to these, these FCS teams, I think they will like that even more. But I, but I think that gives you a, a much stronger brand when football comes in fall because now, you know, if it is a warm-up game and it's an exhibition game, you'll have people come, they'll be excited, football's back, and that's exactly what you want. But now you've got an opportunity to be able to say, look, we're going to schedule them all. So anyways, we uh, yeah. or did you have something else to say right there? Oh, no, I, I, I think just to go along with that, you kind of have uh, um, some sort of uh, governing rule on how many conference games you guys play too, right? Yeah. So. You have the SEC that plays eight. You have the Pac-12 that plays nine. I think some sort of a, like, uh, within your conferences, you play X amount of games to kind of uh, uh, level the uh, playing field. You know, I'm looking at Alabama's football schedule. uh, You know who they play on November 19th, kind of late in the season, right? Second second to last week of the regular season. They play Austin P. (laughs) Hey, don't doubt them. Uh, it's like, well, why are you playing that game that at that point in the season? Like, what, what, what are you doing? Right. Like it's to rest up your, uh, you know, to, to me, it's just a waste of time. Right. Yeah. Um, and, uh, it, 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 part of this kind of stems because I, I watched a little bit of the, uh, the highlights, at least I didn't watch it live, but the Utah state versus Alabama game. Mm-hmm. And here you have two FBS teams playing, right. But it was, it was uh, not even competitive. And well, and it's so, a pay game for them too, right? Like, and I think right. that's that's the same thing. Is is you know these these group of five teams they need pay as well. But I think when you're trying to pay everybody, it it just doesn't work, and it's not better for the game, right? Like, I have no problem with Utah State scheduling that game. We we had a great article from our Utah State writer talking about kind of why you know that that happened, and if you haven't read it, go check it out. But but I think there's. I, I think it, having games like that doesn't help, especially if it's at the FCS level, right? Like it, it, it doesn't help. And I mean, I know like it sounds like we're bagging on FCS teams. That's not it. Obviously, like Weaver State has been phenomenal in the state for quite a while with Jay Hill. Um, Utah's obviously been had some competitive games with Weber State at times and and different aspects like that. So I, I don't want to say that that it's it's a far inferior product. It mostly is, but at the same time, like the 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 college football you know group, we'll call it. There needs to be some sort of 
like you said, body, governing body that allows them to say, look, we're going to make this game better. And quite honestly, FCS games, as they count towards standings, don't make the game better. No. But, uh, and, and nobody's watching these games. No. Um, you know, it's just, yeah. I, 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 very rarely you do you do have the upset. You, you do have the Appalachian State that, that goes into the big house and beats, you know, a ranked Michigan team. And, and they're fun. They um, really are fun. And, and, and they're fun. But I, I don't know. I, I, you see it from a different perspective. It's like, did, did Michigan, like, they're just trying to not get anybody hurt, right? Like, they're, they're, they're thinking, like, oh, hey, we have, you know, Ohio State coming up in a couple of weeks or whoever it might be. And exactly. I don't know. It's, uh, it, it's fun to see those games, but um, when those upsets happen. But uh, I, I think that, uh, yeah, just have them as your exhibition game to open the season and then have just FBS versus FBS the rest of the way. Like, there, there's no need for that. But we can talk about a little bit about Utah because they are playing an FCS game this week. Now that we've bagged um, on the FCS for now, so now long. That, we're not bagging. It's just <laughs> no, a different It's a different division. And these, these crossover games, 98% of the time have been, you know, the, a blowout, right? And the TV ratings, I'm sure, are going to be abysmal for every single one of these. Um, and there's a reason why the Pac-12 network has this game kicking off at 11:30, right? Like this isn't this isn't marquee television. They're um, basically, I, I think it's a quadruple header on the Pac-12 network. I think so. Uh, regardless, um, Utah has a lot that they need to improve on, and physicality, especially on defense, is probably the number one thing that Kyle Whittingham pointed out in his weekly press conference. How do you think that Utah responded this week in practice? And what do you expect to see from the Utes on Saturday? Yeah, I think, you know, you're going to get far more attention to kind of the deficiencies that were there. Um, I, I think you've got a lot of guys that now have tape that they can go watch where they were out of. The, the thing is, they weren't even really out of place necessarily. It was just over pursuit, you know, arm tackles. Like we, we, we went over this a bunch in our last podcast. So if, if you want to listen to that, go ahead and, and, and check that one out. Um, but, but I think for me, you know, with a team like, you know, SUU, who's, who's now in their first season in the WAC, um, they, they moved from the big sky to the WAC. This is one of those games where, like, I still don't think you're going to learn a lot. I think, you know, if you get beat on defense in this type of environment, then there's really worry. I don't think it's going to be the skies falling in that respect, but at the same time, I think that's where you have to kind of see improvement. Is Utah able to wrap up? Are they able to get there? Are they able to hit through the tackle? Um, are, are, you know, that's kind of where where I'm going to see. Like, quite honestly, like coming from this game, I don't know that we're going to learn anything. I, I think it's more just of a mindset of is Utah trying to get better? It's almost a disadvantage for us because I really would have loved to have had a you know week two opponent that was a little bit better, maybe San Diego State, where you can at least see some marginal improvement and not just a um, little bit. Now, now with that being said, once again, if if Utah just absolutely stumbles along the way and, and they they botch that, then there's there's reason to be concerned. But um, for me, I don't I don't know if there's really much that I can take away from this game that's going to change my opinion on how this team operates. Uh, am I wrong? No. Uh, so for, for me, you, 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 you hit the nail on the head. Defensively, they just need to be more physical. They need to um, play the Utah brand of football that we've become accustomed to under Kyle Whittingham and Morgan Scally as defensive coordinator. And I, I, I fully expect that we're going to see it. I think we're going to see an angry Utah team that uh, doesn't want to um, feel the effects of that Florida team. But then the beautiful thing with college football is, you know, 
yeah, forget the loss. You got another game to prepare for. Like, feel sorry for yourselves, you know, on the on the way back on the plane on Sunday. But Monday morning, you're starting to prepare for the, this next game. And yeah, it's a it's an inferior opponent that on paper is is, is overmatched. But I, I can guarantee you that if Utah doesn't show up, if Utah um, is kind of still pouting, <laughs> to, to, to put it frankly, uh, the the loss to Florida. Uh, they could find themselves down 13 to nothing or 13 to six or 13 to seven at the end, end of the first half and be looking at like, what are we doing guys? Like what? And, and at that point, the leadership would have to step up and you would have to see some sort of some chairs thrown in the locker room, whatever it might be, but uh, <laughs> Go Bobby you, you need to see, you need to see something uh, to kind of spark it. I don't, I don't anticipate that happening. I think Utah is going to be, be prepared um, you know, Justin Miller is a good quarterback. He threw for 364 yards against yeah, St. Thomas last test. week. He's going to be, a, but he's not a runner. He's not going to be this. Um, he's not going to be Anthony Richardson. Sorry. I forgot his name. I I've been thinking about, a, I had nightmares about him running for <laughs> touchdowns and then touchdowns and touchdowns. Uh, he's not, he's not, <laughs> yeah, seriously. Um, he's not going to be that guy that's running. Um, so I think your your Utah does very well against one dimensional quarterbacks. It's these dual threats that historically have always been Utah's Achilles heel, um, mainly because of the, the way that they play. Um, you know, they they leave a lot of players out on islands, and if one player makes a missed tackle or makes a mistake, loses containment, the rest of the field's wide open. That's just the brand of football that Utah plays. Uh, they're not going to have to expect that against Southern Utah, but offensively. I want to see some shots taken down the field, like especially in the first half where, you know, I want to see Cam rise and throw a 40 yard pass to Bailey down the sideline to, to, to do some play action. We didn't see any of that. Mm-hmm. And, and quite honestly, we saw Cam rising's QBR for week one from pro football. It was like a 55.5. It was the worst in the pack 12. Just, well, sorry, not the worst. It was just ahead of Bo Nix. Uh, yeah, PFF uh, is. At Oregon. Yeah. But uh, I, to, to, to me, uh, that's kind of like, man, like we, we we saw him make the short throws somewhat consistently. He missed a couple of gimmies to. He gr- to admittedly, Keithy he graded and, out better and, in QBR. So, I mean, sure, it, sure. You know, it depends on what metric you take. So. But I, you know, all all this offseason, we we heard, hey, you know, Utah to take that next step offensively, we need to be able to make bigger plays in the throw game. Exactly. They didn't make any big no, plays right. in the throw game. You know, uh, Keithy had one grab for thirty two yards or thirty seven yards uh, against Florida, and that was the extent of your downfield passing game. So, are we going to see that? I, you know, I, if you're not going to see it against Southern Utah, when are you going to see it? Exactly. Or was that just coach talk for? for whatever reason, like, Hey, we need to do this, but then we're not going to game plan or actually do it. So, well, that offense and defense both have to be off the field at halftime, right? Like the starting unit, they have to be able to get out of there. Right. Right. Well, we, we fully expect to see, um, Utah's second string in there, um, third quarter. Uh, and and if not, then Utah, you know, maybe (laughs) expectations were, were way too high on this season. Mm -hmm. As of now, I, you know, I'm still, I still think Utah is a very, very, very good team. I still see them as a top 10 team, even though they did lose. I think Florida was vastly underrated. Um, I think that, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see, we'll, we'll, we'll learn a lot about Florida this week as they have to play Kentucky. They get that game at home. Um, but we'll see how that shakes out. And then, you know, against an inferior opponent, if Utah doesn't have this game in hand by halftime, 
uh, you know, maybe we're talking next week on the podcast is like, maybe there are bigger concerns here at play. I don't think we are. I don't think that that's the discussion we're having uh, in, in our uh, KSL.com college football pick I have Utah winning 45 to seven, uh, mainly just having the second string in there for most of the second half. I don't see Utah piling on the points. They, they've never been one to do that. And I don't anticipate them doing that hey, here. 77 so. against Weber state that one year. <laughs> That one year, Travis <laughs> they, Wilson. They, the thing is, they tried so hard not to score, and they were still managing to score. So it, it happens right. sometimes. But, yeah. Well, I mean, do you, have you put in your picks yet? I have not. That's I do that Friday because I want to get the full information for the whole week. Not that it matters for SUU, but uh, I just like to kind of not Friday, Thursday night. Sorry, because I have to have them in for the pick them uh, gotcha. staff pick. So. Yeah. So some of the other games that we have in our in our pick'em this week: twenty-four Tennessee at seventeen Pittsburgh. That'll be a good game. Uh, Weber State taking on Utah State and Logan. Uh, Emory Jones and Arizona State going to Stillwater to play Oklahoma State. That That'll one be fun. could be maybe. Maybe you know. Th- I think that this is a good opportunity for the Pac-12 to kind of redeem itself from losing every single marquee game in Week One, but. Uh, that's going to be a tough test for Herm Edwards. You know, we'll, we'll see how they do. And then the big game in Provo, um, number nine, Baylor at 21 BYU. That, that one should that be could really go fun. either way. Yeah. Um, Baylor had the, the home field advantage last season, got away with the win. Uh, I, I see this one going a little bit differently. I, I think that uh, Kwani Sataki and his team are, are, are going to be a tough beat, especially at home in Provo. That's a, that's a good environment to play in front of. So that'll be huge. We'll see. We'll see. That's Wait, right. You know, Hopefully, I at least beat you this week. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. I'm not. I'm terrible. I, I went four and one last week, and I I did not get uh, very many points. So <laughs> we need, we need to shame. maybe we need to put uh, you know end of the season uh, you know a case of Mountain Dew or something on the line just well, to. I already to force owe you us. one, so I, I don't I'm, want to dig myself I'm fine. Too much you can we can create a, a tab. You know. There you go. <laughs> All right. Well, that'll do it for us today. Thank you so much for listening to the Utah Checkdown podcast. We're always uh, grateful for the opportunity that we get to be able to talk football and, and be able to talk this with you guys. So uh, once again, go rate us on any of the, the podcast platforms that you listen to us on. Uh, once, you know, once you do that, have fun with it. Right. Like make sure that you, you, you let us know, let us make, make some fun with this, right? Like have some fun. So anyways, thanks for checking us out and uh, have a great one.